If you're gay, then you're gay. Don't pretend that you're straight. You could be who you are any day of the week. You are unlike the others, so strong and unique. We're all with you. If you're straight, well, that's great. You can help procreate and make gay little babies for the whole human race. Make a world we can live in where the one who you love's not an issue. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to IMRU Radio Magazine. The nation's longest running lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender radio show. Out front and out loud since 1974. I'm Abby Dees. I'm Steve Pride. So this has been a hard week. It's been a very hard week. And something you brought to my attention, Steve, is that among the victims in San Bernardino was someone we think is a part of our IMRU family. He was a Facebook friend. One of those Facebook friends I didn't know. Yeah. And um, his name, anyway, was Larry Daniel Kaufman. He was 42 years old. He was the coffee guy. And I don't know. I was really struck by learning a lot about the people that were the victims. It was like this tapestry of people that make up this country. And he was an out gay man, and he was running the coffee shop inside the Inland Regional Center for People with Disabilities in San Bernardino. And he was one of the 14 people killed on that day. Um, As the shooting began, we understand that Daniel was pushing people out of harm's way, getting people to safety and... Unfortunately, he got shot in the process of doing that, but he is credited with saving four people's lives. So our heart really goes out to him and his family and all all the loved ones, everybody who's lost somebody in this tragedy. And yesterday, I, I lost a friend of mine, Hollywood Lawn, the famous transgender activist and factory girl who did this wonderful Andy Warhol movies 30, 40 years ago now, 45 years ago now, yeah. I think. Um, God, um, sorry. She died yesterday afternoon at around 3 o'clock, uh, surrounded by friends, and they all raised money, headed by um, Penny Arcade, had a Go GoFundMe campaign to get her out of the hospital into a hospice for her final days. Oh, wow. So it wasn't unexpected, but she was such a force of nature that I thought cancer would not kill her, <laughs> that um, she'd be with us forever. She really was a a trailblazer. I used to say it to her, you'll be, you've been through everything. And she would say, like a cockroach, Stephen, (laughs) like a cockroach. She was so amazing. So we get to hear from her. We will hear from her later tonight. My first interview with her, we'll, we'll play that. And I also have a chance to talk with the director of the very hot new movie, The Girl King, uh, Mika Kurismaki. I saw the film. I love this film. Yeah, it was fascinating. It's a a look at Queen Christina of Sweden, who was a serious badass. It was a lot of fun. And we will have one of my favorite guests of all time. We haven't had her here since last 
Are it's you been looking? a few months. I'm looking at you, waiting for you to say her name. You, you think I mispronounce it? So. so, so go for it. It's not. It's not helping with my confidence. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe I'll just say it. It's Patricia Velasquez. Thank you. <laughs> she has been in everything. We're going to be talking to her about the film *Lives in September*, which is coming out. Has already come out, out on DVD yeah. for a few weeks. But she was in *Arrested Development*. She was in the *Mummy* movies. She played a. a Kick Butt Princess. Speaking of Kick Butt Princesses. Who was dead and alive, so it's a long story. She's been there, done that. <laughs> and, the, and a supermodel and a philanthropist. And an author and of every book. An author. Yeah, yeah, she really needs to get out more. But first, before any of that can happen, the national and international news from This Way Out. I'm Tanya Kane Perry. And I'm Wenzel Jones. With NewsWrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBT communities around the world for the two weeks ending December 5th, 2015. Members of the Lower House of Ireland's Parliament voted on December 2nd to effectively ban schools in the country, most of which are owned and operated by the Roman Catholic Church, from discriminating against LGBT teachers and other employees. The Senate had already approved the amendment to the Employment Equality Act. It removes exemptions that had allowed schools and hospitals to take action to prevent employees from undermining the religious ethos of the institution. Sandra Irwin Gowran of the Gay and Lesbian Equality Network said the change removes what she called the chill factor and will now allow LGBT people to be themselves, get married, and have a family without a threat to their job if they work in a religious-run institution. Passage of the amendment this week caps off a wonderful year for LGBT rights in the Republic of Ireland. In May, Irish citizens made theirs the first country in the world to open civil marriage to gay and lesbian couples through a voter referendum. Meanwhile, lawyers for two same-gender couples in Northern Ireland, who are stuck in less-than-equal civil partnerships, argued in a landmark legal case at the High Court in Belfast this week that the government's refusal to endorse a marriage equality bill constitutes state discrimination. They said the intransigence is having a corrosive impact on society. Government lawyers basically argued that civil partnerships meet basic international human rights requirements. The judge says he expects to issue his ruling after Christmas. Civil marriage is already open to same-gender couples in England, Wales, Scotland, and the Republic of Ireland. Despite strong opposition from the country's Orthodox Church, lawmakers on the Mediterranean island of Cyprus voted 39-12 to on November 26th to create civil unions for lesbian and gay couples. Joint adoption rights, however, were pointedly not part of the bill. Nevertheless, the European region of ILGA, the International Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Trans, and Intersex Association, applauded the first-ever legal recognition of same-gender couples in the country. Cyprus has been under pressure to improve its LGBT rights legislation since it joined the European Union in 2004. The capital city of Nicosia hosted its first-ever LGBT Pride March just last year. Meanwhile, lawmakers in the Australian state of Queensland voted 64 to 22 this week to restore civil unions for both same-gender and heterosexual couples. 
They were created by a labor government in 2008 and had even allowed an official marriage-like ceremony. But they were downgraded to registered relationships in 2012 by the Liberal Nationals, who also removed same-gender couples' ability to have children through surrogacy. LGBT rights advocates lauded the restoration but continue their push for full marriage equality. The Supreme Court of Bermuda ruled on November 27th that foreign same-gender spouses legally married to the Caribbean island's gay and lesbian citizens are entitled to the same residency and employment rights as their heterosexual counterparts. Chief Justice Ian Kowali supported a group of bi-national plaintiff couples in the lawsuit against government officials. He said of current law in his ruling that... The direct discrimination was self-evident and quite obvious, and no coherent counterargument was advanced by lawyers for the Minister of Home Affairs and the Attorney General. Kowali gave the government two weeks to appeal his ruling. And as the Monty, and as the Monty Python gang might say, now for something completely different. Five children with lesbian and gay parents are suing for their moms and dads' civil marriage equality in Austria. The country grants equal parenting rights to same-gender couples, including second-parent adoption, joint adoption, and medically-assisted conception, but not equal marriage rights. Dr. Helmut Graupner is representing the families and says the children deserve the legitimacy that the civil marriages of their parents would bring them. Vienna's child and youth advocate seemed to agree, saying in a statement this week that civil marriages of the parents would ensure that their children's rights are fully respected and help them feel confident about their family's stability. Grautner told online news outlet The Local that he expects a ruling in January or February. But lawmakers in Uganda continued their apparent crusade against sexual minorities with passage on November 26th of a bill that closes foreign aid groups if government officials object to their activities. Human rights advocates warn that the legislation is a less-than-veiled attempt to expel LGBT-supportive non-governmental organizations, NGOs, even though their work often involves HIV-AIDS education. The NGO bill requires all foreign aid organizations to be licensed. A license would be revoked if the NGO has been involved in any act which is prejudicial to the interests of Uganda and the dignity of the people of Uganda. Directors of groups operating without a license could be fined and imprisoned for up to eight years. The language in the bill seems to be purposely vague and allows the government to virtually expel any NGO it doesn't like. Critics say the new law also opens the door to the persecution of peaceful political opponents. In other news, lawmakers in Vietnam voted 282 to 84 on November 24th to allow trans people who've undergone reassignment surgery elsewhere to re-register in their gender of choice. The operation is illegal in Vietnam, so trans people seeking the surgery usually travel to nearby Thailand. Those who qualify will still have to wait until early 2017 before the legislation takes effect. The new law is nevertheless another advance for sexual minorities in the Southeast Asian nation, which boasts a burgeoning and vibrant queer nightlife in its main cities and even bicycling pride processions in Hanoi in recent years. Vietnamese LGBT rights activists are setting their sights now on making gender reassignment surgery legal in the country.
The board of directors of a Rutherford County, North Carolina public charter school has reversed its ban on student clubs two weeks after it suspended all of them, including the school mascot-based Raptors for Christ, rather than allow an LGBT student group to meet on campus. A supportive teacher allowed the fledgling lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender club to meet in her classroom. When word got out, most people at a raucous public meeting expressed everything from disapproval to outrage. A news release from the American Civil Liberties Union this week said the board of Lake Lore Classical Academy, which offers classes from kindergarten to high school, voted on November 30th to establish a new policy requiring students up to and including eighth grade to get parental consent to join a student club, but not its high school students. The Associated Press reported that the board will also now require all club posters to have a stamp of approval from the school director and restricts them to designated club bulletin boards in the middle and high school halls. And finally, cozying up to advocates of executing gay people and the farthest right wing of his party hasn't seemed to hurt GOP presidential hopeful Ted Cruz. In the latest poll of rank-and-file Republicans, the Texas senator has surged to second place in the crowded pack of GOP presidential wannabes, though he's still behind entrenched frontrunner Donald Trump by double digits. In a conference call with conservative activists this week, Cruz called the Supreme Court marriage equality ruling one of the greatest threats to our democracy we have seen in modern times. He also condemned President Barack Obama for being more interested in promoting homosexuality in the military than he is in defeating our enemies. The senator teetered on parody in the face of tragedy this week, just hours after Robert Louis Deere attacked a Planned Parenthood facility in Colorado Springs, killing three people and injuring nine others. I think there has been some vicious rhetoric on the left blaming those who are pro-life. We don't fully know the motivations of this deranged individual. We know that he was a man who registered to vote as a woman. You know, the media promptly wants to blame him on the pro-life movement when, at this point, there's very little evidence to indicate that. It's also reported that he was registered as an independent and as a woman and a transgender leftist activist, if that's what he is. After Cruz's comments went viral, a spokesperson admitted that the senator's news source had been a right-wing blog. A Think Progress reporter concluded that the voter registration form identifying Deere as female, the only accuracy among Cruz's claims, was probably nothing more than a typo. And a BuzzFeed reporter sent to Deere's hometown of Hartzell, Colorado, spoke with six people who said they knew him and that there was no indication that he might be transgender. One neighbor described Deere as a rough-looking, giant dude. That's News Wrap for the two weeks ending December 5th, 2015. Produced by Steve Pride, written by Greg Gordon, and recorded at the studios of KPFK Los Angeles. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap from This Way Out is brought to you by you. Help keep us on the air and in your ears at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast. For This Way Out, I'm Wenzel Jones. And I'm Tanya Kane perry You can hear all 30 minutes of the latest This Way Out, including more news wrap, on Stitcher Radio On Demand, on iTunes, or at thiswayout.org. All right. Coming soon to a theater near you is the new film The Girl King, which looks at the life of butch and fabulous Queen Christina of Sweden. I got to talk to the director, Mika Kurismaki, just this weekend.
Miko, welcome. Thank you. There have been a number of dramatizations of the life of Queen Christina, and I would say that probably the most famous in the U.S. is the movie Queen Christina with Greta Garbo. What inspired you to bring this story to the screen once again? Yeah, of course, I've seen the Queen Christina by with Greta Garbo a few times in the past, and um, I think it's a fine film. But I didn't want or intend to make any kind of a remake. I didn't even watch it again, just not to get influenced by it. I wanted to have a different take on this subject, and I saw here a um, very modern woman who could be here with us today. So, and I see so many parallels from Christina's time to today's time, and uh, I think she was modern at the time, and she still is modern. I mean, can you give me an example? She was a young woman who was trying to figure out what to do with her life. I have three daughters myself, so <laughs> I, I know that. This is something that the young women and boys too, you know, are doing this thing. And if you look at Europe and the world, we are full of religious wars and it's a very insecure situation and uh, young people are really, yeah, they try to figure out what to do, you know. Yeah, that was one of the things that was striking to me about the film is that this is a woman trying to figure out who she is and what she believes in, but the stakes are so high because her choices affect a potential civil war or you know it's at the end of the 30 years war in europe and europe is is divided in two based on religion exactly another thing that was very noticeable to me about the film was the frank depiction of christina's sexuality she was both very androgynous and publicly so and she had affairs with women was it important to you to explore this facet yeah, I think it was so. It was so important for her. The love story with Paspare was. I mean, she in her memoirs and and when you know she always said that she, that uh, that was her love story, the love story of her life. So it was definitely very important. And um, by the way, Greta Garbo, when we did research, uh, you know, we found out that Greta Garbo actually already wanted to make have the love story with Ebba in, in the uh, film, in the 30 years film, but the, Hollywood was not ready for that, you know? No, it's 1933. They gave her a, yeah. another storyline with a yeah. male romantic lead. She lived with this uh, Spanish ambassador, Azulín. She spent 20 years together, but Greta Garbo wanted to have this love story with Ebba in the film. She Somewhere she said that it's, the film is kind of silly, you know? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like the film, but, you know, I think our film is more like what uh, Greta Garbo also wanted to do has to do also with this idea of free will, which was created by this philosopher René Descartes in those times, that people have their own will and they should follow that will to be what they want to be. That was quite important for the film. I chose this, like three things in the film. It's like the love story with Ebba and the relationship with René Descartes and his ideas, plus the relationship with his father figure and the establishment, you know, the old uh, dark men, conservative men. That was the three main elements in the film. And that very much comes through. But she abdicated at 28 years old. She really had only about 10 years in real power. She converted to Catholicism, moved to Rome, and your film ends before she goes off to Rome, I presume. Do you see her as a kind of hero, or was she a failed monarch, or was she something in the middle? I think it was something in the middle. I mean, and she certainly did what she thought it was the right thing to do for herself. And she is quite controversial in Sweden, mainly in Sweden. I'm from Finland, you know. She was our queen as well. But I think in Sweden, especially, she sort of betrayed her father's faith and, you know, converted to Catholicism within those days. Was a, I mean, it was really, a, it's like 
George Bush's daughters would go to Al Qaeda or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 nowadays, yeah, a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it was a shock, you know. And of course, I can understand she's controversial, but I think she also saw that she couldn't be the queen that they wanted. Yeah. She wanted to do something else, and that's why she made this big decision. And and that's also kind of the message of the film. That you should be true to your ideas and what you believe and not to do what the other people said you to do. So she made the right decision in a way. Also for Sweden, I, I'm sure, you know. And many people were happy that she left. Her ideas were too radical. And I, so actually, I wanted to concentrate the film in these 10 years when she becomes the queen, when she becomes 18 and then abdicates with 28. These, uh, these 10 years, like the, this is the story. And the theme of free will and grappling with everything from sexuality to religious identity. I thought that that was very powerful is the idea that you can choose your destiny, but you see her paying a price for that. Absolutely, yeah. The film Girl King got an audience award at the Montreal Film Festival this year, and your leading actress, Malin Buska, who is, I understand, an upcoming, a rising star in Sweden, she got the Best Actress Award. I saw her acting in this film described as lion-like ferocity. Yeah. She's rebellious herself. I mean, she, that's why I think she was right for the part, because she, she's not just a standard, uh, you know, actress. I mean, she, she's very quite uh, picky, and she knows what she wants, or what she doesn't want, at least, you know. And so I think she felt right away like Christina. After making The Girl King, was there anything about Christina that you came to understand that perhaps you didn't understand when you started? There's so much. And we did a very elaborate research on her and of that time in general. So there's quite a lot of material about her. And everything in the film is true and documented. But there's so much material that my problem was with the screenwriter. What's the story we want to tell? She did so many things. I mean, she sang and she wrote operas and she wrote music and she played and in theaters and operas. So all, all this amazing energy. And, and she continued so doing that even after she abdicated. She did. And she founded this Arcadia foundation in Rome, which actually is, you know, the precursor of the Academy of Sweden, which nowadays is in charge of these Nobel Awards. And her ending the 30 years war, she sort of paved the way to European Union. So she was visionary in, in many ways, even if she was a very complex person, really. But she also had, had a vision as, as a, you know, part world and, uh, and life. Mika Kurismäki, thank you so much for bringing the story of this fascinating woman to life. I think Many of us really didn't know about her. And so I hope that this continues to encourage curiosity about her life. I certainly want to know more. And thank you for taking the time to talk with us. What's a pleasure. That was great, Abby. Why, thank you. That was a surprise to me. I, I saw that film. I had no idea it was happening. But what, what a great story about an amazing woman. And, you know, I was just thinking you could do like 10 movies on this woman's life and you could barely scratch the surface. I don't know. He mentioned he had to figure out what story to tell because there were so many stories. Oh, yeah. But he did. He chose wisely, I would say. Anyway, it's going to be playing at the Lemley Royal in L.A. until It's playing Thursday. there now. Oh, it's playing there right now. And it'll be released on DVD this weekend. Um, on the 8th, yes. Yeah. I want to move on to somebody who else is really incredible. A longtime friend of this show and a friend of mine died yesterday. Hollywood Lawn is no longer with us. She was a force of nature. And one of the very, I've interviewed her, I don't know how many times. I've got hours and hours of unedited tape, but the very first time I interviewed her, I was just such a kid, and I turned on the recorder and she talked. And I won 
major awards in that interview, and I didn't do anything. Those were the best interviews. So let's listen to Hollywood Long Talks Trash. Gender-bending pioneer Holly Woodlawn shot to fame in a 1970 Andy Warhol film called Trash. Cast as the offbeat girlfriend of a good-looking junkie, played by Warhol favorite Joe D'Alessandro, her debut was critically lauded. It was at the height of Warhol's popularity, and the success of Trash thrust underground movies into the light, where they quickly became legitimized as independent films. Holly Woodlawn's performance is made all the more remarkable by the fact that in this film, made shortly after the Stonewall riots, she completes the job of leading lady with no allusion to her biological gender. Now, 30 years later, Trash has been remastered and re-released. I took this occasion to drop by Holly's West Hollywood apartment for a chat about Trash, Andy Warhol, and her walk on the wild side. Holly came from Miami, FLA Hitchhiked away across USA Plucked her eyebrows on the way, shaved her legs, and then he was a she. She says, hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. Said, hey, honey, take a walk on the wild side. I just wanted to go to New York, get out of Florida. So I only had $11 to my name, and uh, I took a bus to a little city outside of, um, uh, Atlanta called Brunswick where um, the bus driver threw me off the bus and uh, I, there was a, a thunderstorm going on that night. So I, I seeked shelter in this little motel on the side of the road and I was struck by lightning. Yes. And, and so the uh, proprietor of the motel gave me a free room that night and that's when I shaved my legs and plucked my eyebrows. And I, you know, I haven't been the same since. So the next day I stuck my finger out and started hitchhiking. A week later I landed in New York City and... Uh, Five years later, I met Andy Warhol. Well, actually, Paul Morrissey. He's the one that um, uh, filmed Trash. I was hanging out at Max's Kansas City where, well, you know, Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, you know, all the Warhol crowd were, were hanging out. 1969, that, that year, a lot of stuff happened. A Man in the Moon, you know, the Sharon Tate murders. I mean, Robert Kennedy, the Stonewall. Uh, so that was quite a year for, for America. And I was right in the middle. And they were shooting this movie, and I guess I, I was typecast as a lowlife. <laughs> Garbage-picking lowlife. No, but um, uh, he asked me if I would do a scene in the movie, and then that scene just like sort of like blossomed into like a co-starring role. And uh, Trash came out. Um, uh, I, I, was in, I was in jail for that, <laughs> for the premiere of Trash, but that's another story. <laughs> and I got these incredible reviews, and uh, the rest is history. And now... 30 years later, they're dusting me off and re-releasing it for the um, 30th anniversary. But uh, it's fun. It's fun to, you know, like just see myself 30 years later. It's like watching somebody else, you know. Good memories, you know. I was right in the middle. I mean, the vortex of all that stuff. I mean, you know, the underground Warhol, Studio 54, um, free love, drugs that were decent drugs. I mean, you know, not God. And still survived all that, all that insanity. Like a cockroach here, I feel already. <laughs> Tell me about the making of Trash. Trash was the first and, the, and, of course, the most notorious. I also did another one for Warhol, uh, another Morrissey film. I mean, everybody actually, you know, I, I have to get the record straight. Andy Warhol produced the movie. He just actually put his name to it. Andy was very big at that, just putting his name, you know, I mean, because he did not discover the chemical soup can. But uh, he sure made a lot of money off of it. But Paul Morrissey was the uh, the driving force, the director, 
He did everything, uh, you know, film, filmmaker, uh, except writing the script. There was no script to um, either Trash or um, or Women in Revolt or any or any of Andy's movies. Uh, basically, what Paul did was just uh, he uh, picked people that had character that you know that were fascinating or you know had something to say or do on the screen, and just uh, roll the camera. Paul would you know set up the scene. You know, like Holly in the scene, you know, you're having sex with a beer bottle because Joe won't go to sleep with you, you know. And I, of course, <laughs> being the true method actress that I am, went for it. You know. Ouch. Okay. Trash is on DVD. It's on video. It's back in the theaters. Are you making just tons of money? Oh, no, please. I, I almost choked on my Coke. Coca-Cola. Uh, uh, $25. Well, actually, for the whole movie, I made 125 because it was $25 a scene. And at that time, I just signed a release. I did. There was no contract. You know, meanwhile, the first couple weeks that Trash came out, it made several million. What made Andy Warhol special? You know, the whole thing, there was nothing, absolutely nothing about Warhol. I mean, Andy Warhol was as uh, as transparent and as flimsy as tissue paper. It was the people around him. It was everything around him. You know, I guess that's his genius. He was a magnet, you know. I mean, all everyone around him were the ones that were brilliant, you know. He was like no solar system like the sun where heat radiates out, you know. Andy just, he was like a black hole. Andy just went around saying, oh, how glamorous. Oh, do that. Oh, you know, I mean, he just agreed to everything, you know. And everybody else, I mean, of course, everybody was on drugs. He wasn't. And if he was, who wanted that drug? Little Joe never once gave it away. Everybody had to pay and pay. A hustle here and a hustle there. New York City is the place where they said, Hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. I said, Hey, Joe, take a walk on the wild side. Joe D'Alessandro. He, my co-star, he's, he was, in the, he was the, the, the stud in Morrissey's films. Flesh, heat, trash. Yeah. They weren't big for, like, large titles. He was a sweetheart. He was very nice. And, of course, in Trash, you know, the, the, there's nudity, but it's not pornographic nudity. And, um, darling, that, that butt, that butt is held up by, well, youth, of course. <laughs> yeah. Holly, it's been 35 years since you took that trip, immortalized in the Lou Reed song, Walk on the Wild Side. How have times changed? When I was around in the 60s, that, if you did anything like that, you were arrested. I mean, there were, you know, there were laws and a lot of harassment. Now, you know, you go to New York, please. I mean, they're all over the place. It's like nothing. It's yawn, yawn, yawn. So what? So you wear a dress. And RuPaul, I mean, you know, it's like Ru's doing commercials for beer and makeup and stuff. I mean, you know. And uh, all those girls say that, you know, I was the groundbreaker, you know. Wonderful. Now now I need the money. <laughs> I'm tired of breaking ground. I said, hey, honey, take a walk on the wild side. And the colored girls say, This has been a conversation with Holly Woodlawn. Trash is a jour de feet release coming to a theater near you. Holly Woodlawn's autobiography, A Low Life in High Heels, is, as they say, soon to be a major motion picture. This is Steve Pride. Thanks for listening. Thank you. It was a lovely Sunday morning spending it with you, Stephen.
Oh, but we're not done here at IMRU. Still to come, actress, supermodel, author, entrepreneur, philanthropist, Patricia Velasquez. Don't go away. Walt Whitman's Chance Encounter, coming up now on the Rainbow Minute. In 1865, poet Walt Whitman found himself in uncharacteristically high spirits. He had recently formed a long-term attachment. It all began on a cold winter night. With a blanket around his shoulders, he stepped aboard a horse car bound for his home in Washington, D.C. The red-haired conductor was a man named Peter Doyle. Doyle later described that special night, saying, It was a lonely night, so I thought I would go in and talk with him. Something in me made me do it and something in him drew me that way. He used to say there was something in me that had the same effect on him. Anyway, I went into the car. We were familiar at once. I put my hand on his knee. We both understood. The Rainbow Minute is produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns and recorded in the studios at WRIR in Richmond, Virginia and read by volunteers like me, Alan Brown. Hello, I am Patricia Velasquez, and you're listening to IMRU Radio Magazine, out front and out loud since 1974, on KPFK-FM, 90.7 Los Angeles, 98.7 Santa Barbara, 99.5 Ridgecrest, China Lake, 93.7 San Diego, or streaming online at kpfk.org. Hola, soy Patricia Velázquez y estás escuchando IMRU Radio Magazine, out front y out loud desde 1974, en KPFK FM, 90.7 Los Ángeles, 98.7 Santa Bárbara, 99.5 Ridgecrest, China Lake, 93.7 San Diego. También lo puedes escuchar en línea en kpfk.org. But it doesn't prove that there are gay vampire witches operating a sex club on the island. Welcome back. You're listening to IMRU Radio. I'm Steve Pride. And I'm Abby Dees. I'm going to do something a little self-indulgent right now, I think. I mentioned Abby. Today was a really rough day for me. My chihuahua of 17 years passed away this morning at 10 a.m., and he is so tied to what we do here. He came from a litter of two reporters, two lesbian reporters who Mm -hmm. met here, and the dogs hit it off, too, before you know it, they were puppies. And so 17 years ago, they gave me one of the puppies here at the station. I took it into my next interview. I first stuck it in my pocket. It was that tiny, my shirt pocket. And I went in to interview Armstead Maupin. And halfway through the interview, we're talking about Michael Mouse Tolliver and Tales of the City. My little puppy peeked his head out of my shirt pocket, and Armstead said, 
what's that? And I said, well, that's my mouse. Mm. And that's how he got his name. And he's been on the air here a few times. He actually he's did an, an interview. He's an IMRU doggy. He interviewed um, John Bartlett's dog many years ago. Not the best idea, but it seemed like good at the time. They just barked at each other. <laughs> so I want to take a moment to play a poem from one of my favorite poets, Mark Doty. It's called Shelter. This poem is set in the animal shelter in Brewster, Massachusetts, near where I live in Provincetown. They shove and tumble around us on the concrete floor, the little ones, just as they must have crowded around the gates of this world, eager to live. So much to be licked on earth. What work? All mouth, sure of their reception, they've hurried to a realm they know will feed them and they open their new faces to us, tongues and teeth apprehending our sweetness and pity, smells and salts. This is here, the minds register. Yes, and this, and this is good. The older ones, each in their separate pens, consider what's to be made of betrayal. This one's serenely still, waiting for us to make the first gesture. This all-evident eagerness muzzle against the grid. The one who's been here longest cries, though not to us. And that one, unclaimed, blank placard above her cage, simply sleeps in a far corner, unavailable. Road under the Hellgate inscriptions, too big, no time, moving to another state. They've lost local habitations, and some of them names, though most carry forward a single word. Bosco, Laredo, Jack, all of the past they're allowed to keep in this vague limbo far from affections, locations, and routines. I know, leashed to no one, the plain daily habits gone. Who are we, then? Nothing but eagerness, or caution, though only a little. Couldn't these various distances dissolve at a touch, a dozen touches? Not to be forgotten, the blank hours, but put in place. Oh, Dakota and Brandy and Jimbo, just as we wanted to be born once, don't we want to be delivered again, even knowing the nothing love may come to? Oh, Lucky, and Buddy, and Red, we put our tongues to the world. That was Mark Doty reading Shelter, and I want to dedicate that to Mouse. And all our IMRU critters, if you don't have critters, then you don't understand. But if you do, then you really understand. I'm sorry, Steve. Yeah. Well, let's segue to something really more pleasant. Oh, yeah. Someone who has been a princess. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Well, all sorts of things. But before I tell you who she is, well, if you've been listening since the beginning, you know. But number one foreign film right now on VOD and number one LGBT film right now, huge festival winner this year is a film called Liz in September or Liz en Septiembre, which was a remake of Last Summer at uh, Bluefish Cove. Uh, it's a Venezuelan production, yeah? yes? Yes. Starring our guest Patricia Velasquez, <laughs> who was not just an actress, but a model, a writer, an entrepreneur, a philanthropist. I'm trying to think of a businesswoman. A mom. And a mom, <laughs> of course. So, that goes first. Yes, that is yeah. absolutely. That goes 
goes without saying. Um, welcome. Thank you. I love coming to see you guys. We had our, has our, I feel like having you. I, I look, I, I'm still just from the clothes from this morning. I That's feel like I'm at home. Be. That's the way you, you should know? be. I mean, we know you from so many things. Um, Maddie, Maddie McLaughlin, who's on our website, was talking about he wanted to come in because he wanted to see the lady from Arrested Development. There mm. you go. Yeah, it's funny how, you know, Arrested Development is a, is a series that has its own clan. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. It's amazing it has how fall. many people around the world, whenever I go to promote my products, um, they stop me in the subway. I might be in Germany or in London, Russia, and people stop me. I have got from, to watch it. From Arrested Development. But everyone says it's that same thing. It's one of those, oh, my God, you haven't seen it. You've yeah. got to see it. I think it's just, it was a little bit of ahead of its time. Yeah. You know? And you bought the heat to the mummy, and the mummy returns <laughs> as an immortal princess with not a lot of clothing. No, well, the, I mean, there were two. I play two characters in the Mummy, in the Mummy Returns, but the the definitely there was one that had no. For the second one, I did have a little more clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> I put my foot down. It was just too uncomfortable. All, all that uh, tattoo. <laughs> so, of all these things, all these, all these hats that you wear, um, what's the thing that gets you up in the morning? My daughter, no well, doubt. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I think as a, and in terms of uh, uh, as an artist. I, I have to tell you, I, get, I tend to get bored very quickly. Um, I've I hear that. Been, I've been extremely um, fortunate to surround myself with, with friends and people that join my causes. You know, I'm an Aquarius, and Aquarius, we love, we fight for causes. That's true. We love causes. So it's, but what is, on the other hand, what is challenging for us is to stay in them. So when you have a group of people around that help you, guide them and then make sure they become not permanent because nothing is permanent but they they make sure they stay even though you might go in a different direction that's a big help um so right now i you know my my partner iliana and myself we open a, a space downtown called lilith corner which is a creative space for people to come and you know rehearse do mini theaters exhibitions i'm doing an event for my foundation on sunday to as a toy drive for the Wayutaya foundation for the kids in in South America, unprivileged children. Um, so it depends what I'm, mm-hmm. you know, right now it's about the drive that, you know, I have to just make a little money to try and, and, and give uh, the, these unprivileged children in our countries. Well, tell us about the foundation. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, the foundation, it, you know, I, it's so funny how people might say so many bad things about the United States, but me as a as someone who came and has made a home in this country, I can tell you that that, Caring for one another does not exist in any other place in the world. I mean, here, you know, I come from a place in South America, the Wayu village, which is right on the border between Venezuela and Colombia. And uh, I, I decided to start a foundation in 2002 in New York. And I went to some friends, and it's been, what, 12 years? I don't know. We're in, yeah, 13 years already. The foundation, you know, now we take care of, we assist more than 3,000 children in different schools that we have and uh, self-sustaining women's center. But this is something that can only happen here because these are people that now we do here in, in L.A. but that are helping other people that they might never meet. Mm. <laughs> and it's not just that's because it's that deductible. So yeah. um, that's I love that about about the United States and and even you know now to even come to your show and talk about the film it's the same thing. We can have a vision, but to have the support of you guys and Wolf Videos and have it be you know the movie released in September be so successful. I mean we won nine festivals already, um, and have been so embraced. 
who knew, you know, we're yeah. doing this beautiful movie, incredible, you know, can win director festival. Then, you know, she's a very recognized. But if we don't have the support of people like you, the movie might not get to where it has to go. And now it just has taken a different, complete different dimension because it's become so successful. And, and for the people that are in our countries where we don't yeah. have, like in Venezuela, any LGBT now we're starting to have representation after what just happened in the elections yesterday. Uh, so it, it's it's something that is very encouraging. Tell us a little bit about what happened in the elections. Um, well, we had a we had we we had the elections for the national assembly yesterday, and it's the first time in about sixteen years that um, the opposition has won majority. And what I think, and what's one of the things that is so special about. It is that is for the first time there is a transsexual uh, that is one of the deputies. So I think that in a country that is the one that is probably in South America, the one that we're the most behind in Venezuela now, things are going to change. Yet you managed to be part of this Venezuelan production, Liz, in September. And before we went on air, you were talking a little bit about some of the response you've been getting from Venezuela and just from other places where you've never been about what this film means to people. Yeah, it's a I mean, it's been so the journey. I mean, I could have we could have just sometimes we just cannot plan it that things are going to happen the way it happened. I mean, uh, the, my movie came out exactly at the same time that the the, the book came out, and um, I get so many letters every single day about people that are either through the movie or through the book that, it has, that it has, it, it, they have changed their lives. Remind the listeners about the name of the book, because I've read it and I love it. Oh, thank you. The book is called uh, Straight Walk, and Great it's title. a... It's an inspirational story about, basically, it's an inspiration story to live your truth. Whatever it's truth your story. Yeah, I use my story to inspire other people to live the truth, whatever truth that might be. Your truth might be, <laughs> you know, something about that you're not living in the religion or, or, yeah. or, or simply just your sexuality, like, like it happened to me. And this was, was the book you're coming out, your sort of official coming out? Um. I had already come out to my family, and I, we live in Los Angeles, so it's not like live a very uh, it's no big deal, no big deal. <laughs> um, but but I think after doing the movie, I was already writing. But after doing the movie with the director, wonderful director Fina Torres, who you know we work very very closely on the film, I think she inspired me. The situation inspired me. Uh, just I, I felt that it just it was time to lead by example. And I, I just had no idea. In my head, I always thought if I can just help one person, that means I've done the job. And it just has become way bigger than that. I mean, it's just amazing the amount of people that really need our support. We don't notice it very much here because we it's are so just easy. going on about our lives. It's so easy. You know, we were talking about like this film. I can I look at this film and I think, oh, that's a great film. It's beautiful. You know, it's in Spanish. That's unusual to see the subject matter. That's nice. You know, I enjoy that. But it's so easy easy to forget that for somebody who is not in a community that's so embracing, a film like this is like shining light when there's been nothing but darkness. Yeah, so something interesting has happened in our country because we were talking about it, I don't know if it was last time when when we came here, that, I mean, we've had some 
we have a very small movie industry, um, but we've had some really wonderful films that have come out in the last couple of years. And we, you know, we won San Sebastian, we won Venice Film Festival, we uh, in some some of our movies, and they, except out of these five films, four have LGBT issues in them. So it, it, there is, What do you think? <laughs> I mean, now that we have uh, Tamara, who's, you know, the, this girl that um, now is going to be... She, she's transsexual, and, and, it, and it's, she's now a part of the National Assembly. There is a big hope for our community. And it, it maybe there was something in, on the air that needed to be expressed. I want to interrupt the flow for just a moment okay, because go ahead we have interrupt. copies of the DVD yes. in September and, and we're going to give them away and they are autographed Yes, I just Patricia. signed them. Mm-hmm. I just signed them. So, I mean, our fun drive starts tomorrow. So mm-hmm. today, tonight is the last time we get something free from us. Without a fun drive. Without a fun drive. So okay. call us now if you'd like a copy of this DVD free. Otherwise, as a I'm taking it. Yes. Yes. 818-985-5735. Call the win. 818 985 Five seven three five. That's eight one eight nine eight five K P F K for mm-hmm. our husband. She spell. Yeah, yeah, I know. I struggle with the K P F K part of it. I can't do the translation <laughs> to the numbers. No, back to the program. <laughs> yes, <laughs> love it. So, have you gotten any? I, I mean, I hate to even bring this up, but have you gotten any kind of negative response? Well, I mean. People kind of say that when I came out, um, there's never really been in the Hispanic world someone that has come out being a female um, from the Hispanic world that lives in the Hispanic world. Um, And yeah, definitely, I did a lot of the um, Hispanic media. uh, They were extremely supportive. But then, when as as you will see, social media like Facebook and stuff, there were a lot of comments, and and many of them, of course, they were negative. But it was really beautiful to see it play out because um, there was a lot of response from mo- from other mothers and just people in general, just defending or talking and making it very personal. So, I've always believed that it's great if we can create a dialogue, and that dialogue has to be respectful. But sometimes it isn't, um, and you just have to kind of see how it goes and really always hold on to the truth of why you are doing what you're doing. It's almost like, you know, in the Hispanic world, we are the ones that are sitting in front of the bus now. We are the (laughs) ones that are taking the risk. Uh, So it it doesn't matter. I mean, you have to take a risk in order to make a difference. Otherwise, it's never going to change. Well, that's what I wonder. You know, obviously, you are a savvy businesswoman. You've got a foundation that is dependent on you, you know, Mm -hmm. having a good image and all this stuff. Those thoughts must have gone through your mind. Well, uh, thank you for asking that question, because I think it can relate to a lot of people. Um, Yes, for for a long time, I I wouldn't, I didn't want to come out or say anything, because before I became an actress, I, I used to be a, a model and leave that time with the supermodels. And um, my fans were guys, mainly you straight were guys. in Maxim and like Sports Illustrated, yeah. things like that. Yeah, and Victoria's mm-hmm. Secret and all, you know, all the all those ish, all, all, all of those uh, jobs. But these were my, my fan base was straight guys. So I, I felt like I was going to betray them. And then I became an actor and, as, and then also businesswoman as you as you call it and it, it became uh, something that I worried about you know am I going to lose work 
are gonna people gonna see me differently? And it took a tool and a long time for me to finally say, well, look, we got to lead by example. I mean, you have a family. What are you showing? You have to lead, lead by example. And that's when it all changed. I mean, I have much more work than I've ever had. Well, many of these guys have become my biggest supporters. Um, so it, it, we have to not live in fear. We have to really, and whatever it is, if I can walk away from here tonight, leaving a message to whoever is driving or just listening to us, just understand that we have the choice. You can live in fear in any any areas of your life that you have that fear, or you can choose to just be strong. And it's amazing the empowerment and the joy and the peace that comes with being truthful to yourself. I think that's more important today than it was even this time last week. I yes. Say, this is the second time you've been here. Yes. And we interview a lot of beautiful, beautiful people in this town because that's just the nature of yeah, Hollywood. Hollywood. But you are so beautiful inside. It just blows me away. <laughs> I paid him to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much Thank for being you. here. The movie, again, Thank is in September. Yes. It's out from Wolf Video. On DVD. You know, on DVD. Yes. You can actually buy it almost anywhere, but you can also get it on Wolf Direct, which is Wolf wolfvideo.com and if you want any more information about uh, Patricia's work upcoming stuff her foundation all that info can be found at her website which is patriciavelasquez.com am I correct? yes simple simple that's (laughs) the end of our ride gather your personal courage take Tim Politico's by the hand and exit to the far left of the tram's forward motion our thanks to tonight's director michelle marie gilkison coordinating producer steve pride right here and our rainbow minute producers judd proctor and brian burns follow us on facebook at IMRE radio where the link to the latest show is posted by noon ish every wednesday (laughs) if steve's not having technical issues and coming up next is flip the script with riku matsuda and don't forget the kpfk winter fun drive begins tomorrow morning at 6 a.m so get up early get up up early and give us money you need to keep the lights on here (laughs) we're close tonight with somewhere from the pet shop boys one of my favorite songs from one of my favorite guys good night good night